I would say conferences, this is a controversial take, but conferences are more impactful than drugs. <laughs> podcast listener. Even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. Just got done recording this one with the boss man. We have a wide-ranging conversation today. We open up with a whole segment about our 15-year business partnership and how we've managed to not commit any serious crimes to each other. And also, whether business partnerships are a net positive or a net negative amongst the most successful businesses we've seen out there. We talk a little bit about business coaches and a lot more. Let's roll it. We are back. Welcome back to the podcast, Boss Man. Heyo. We are here T-minus just a couple days till we get on an airplane. Any final last-minute travel preparations when you're in? Ian, do you have a, a haircut scheduled or a run to the mall? Usually, that's part of my routine. This week, I'm just like slammed, so I'm not even there yet. Like, Talk yeah. to me on Friday before the flight. That's my plan this year, unfortunately. So if I show up a little bit disheveled, Apologies. We've shared hundreds of productivity hacks over the years on this podcast. There's no greater productivity hack than I've got a flight on Friday. I, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a crazy week getting ready for the big show in Bangkok. A few things here at the top. Uh, someone asked me the other day, who's speaking at DCBKK? I realize this is not something that we publicize. I thought I'd shoot it out there. We have close to 15 speakers and 25 official meetups and an innumerable amount of unofficial meetups. It seems like you no know, close 50 to 100. Yeah, probably like that. I just thought it would be interesting to point out who's going to be like opening the conference. Mark Zhang. Mark was the founder of Manta Sleep. And he's been in the DC for so long that his story sort of mirrors his journey through the community. And that's why he wanted to give the talk. Basically, the story goes back in the day when he was just getting started online, he figured that getting in the room was going to be the way that would unlock this idea of being able to make a living online. And so he cold emailed us back in 2014 saying, hey, I'll help you guys put on the Singapore event I heard you talking about on the podcast. I used to live there a little bit. I can like help find you venues. And sure enough, when he got in the room at the Singapore event, it was an event for high net worth individuals. And it was the kind of thing that we just started the event by having a pod just like this. We like turned on the mics and we were like, we think we're going to have an event in Singapore. Mark emails us, says, I can help out. At that event, meets an Amazon multimillionaire, shows Mark his multimillion dollar listings so that Mark can emulate them. He emulates them. Fast forward to 2023, he's opening up the conference with a talk about the whole thing, how the whole thing went down, how we started Mantis Sleep, an eight-figure company, the best sleep masks in the world. So that's one Mark Zhang. We've got Anar, the co-founder of Tiny Seed. YC alum. He'll be speaking to us about buying and selling businesses. We got Lucy Simpkins, who has 10 million subscribers on YouTube. She's also been on the pod. 
yeah, just a whole host of other incredibly exciting people will be presenting to us. The theme of the event for us this year, Ian, is is connections. But you know what's behind that is this concept of just getting in the room, and I think that that's why I really love the concept of Mark's talk, which is you got to get in the room with the people doing the things that you want to do. And when we talk about connections, we're not talking about backlinking to each other's corporate websites. We're talking about getting in the room with each other and figuring out like, can I have a relationship with people like this? Do I share their values? Like, is it all bullshit? Is it real? Can I, you know, how can I get involved? What is my unique contribution to this story, to this industry? Can I be involved? You know, one of the things that really helped me in the early days, knowing that we wanted to start this podcast was hanging out with the few people, like the five people on earth that had a podcast at that time. We hung out with Pat Flynn. We hung out with Internet Business Mastery guys. And I don't know if anybody remembers the Internet Business Mastery podcast, but if you were listening to podcasts in 2008, you were listening to Internet Business Mastery. They were the OGs. They were the real thing. And getting to meet them and talk with them about how they produced their show, what motivated and inspired them, why they were doing it, I was like, yeah, I want to do that too. That Getting in that room made all the difference. And so for me, that's the theme of events like this. And that's why that's the theme of this year's DCBKK for me is you, you got to get in the room. You have to get in the room. And I would say conferences, this is a controversial take, but conferences are more impactful than drugs. Do you remember when everybody <laughs> was uh, doing ayahuasca a couple years ago? <laughs> It's like, oh man, I got to fix all my childhood trauma and my business. I'm just going to go on this retreat and do a bunch of ayahuasca. And then they emerge and then there's like all this like really thoughtful ideas coming around the experience. Two weeks later, gone. Back to smoking cigarettes. (laughs) Here's the problem. Drugs don't last. All right. Conferences, they do. A lot of these conferences, the things that you're going to walk away with, the friendships, the partnerships, which we're going to talk about today, the relationships... They last years, you know, your example, talking about Mark Zhang, that is over a 10 year story. Yeah. No ayahuasca last 10 years. Dude, you're a natural marketer. It's just like <laughs> DCBKK, the hit that lasts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about business partnerships. Recently came across a question from a listener about setting up business partnerships, specifically How might you do so where the expectation is both partners are going full time into the venture? And I think we can lay out a couple different circumstances, but specifically the challenge with the setup here is around 50-50 partnerships. Like how do you deal with them? What happens, you know, when one person has a few light weeks and, you know, how do you monitor each other's time and inputs? How do you make sure they're fair and equitable? How are you going to keep an agreement strong between two people who are essentially both all in on a business? I think a lot of the initial responses go to the details. And I'm tempted to say that when you're starting a 50-50 partnership, it's the big picture stuff that matters the most because the details will change a lot over time. So the main thing is, do you respect the person? Do you like spending time with them? Can you have a difficult conversation with them? Are they highly communicative? Do they have red flags in their past? It's almost like dating in the sense that you want to spend a lot of time with the person 
And it's not like you need to be best friends. That's actually not always the case. But you do need to enjoy working with them for long periods of time. And you should ideally be doing that before you embark on a partnership that's going to last 15 years. It should feel the same way when you're dating somebody that has potential, which is like, yeah, this makes sense. Like, this is good. We've often called it the marriage model partnership because it does resemble how a marriage works. You know, you walk into it and each person has sort of a 50-50 say. Now, you might say, well, marriages get divorced 50% of the time. Well, probably yeah, that is the, partners. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the case. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't consider it as an option for your future because the reason people do it is because the potential outcome is incredible. And if your first partnership doesn't work, it doesn't preclude you from having a second one. So I do think there's a lot of potential in partnerships. One of the things I notice when I speak with a lot of our listeners that don't have partners is they straight up don't have anybody to talk to at a high level on a day-to-day basis that has more interest than just being a yes person to whatever they're saying because they're always the boss wherever they go around. You know, One of the cool things about being in a partnership and also one of the downsides is you're not the boss in a partnership. By definition, now you've got a partner, you can't rule by royal decree. One thing the listener writes is, you know, how do you solve this problem of total energy committed, whether it's 20 hours a week or 50 hours a week? You know, what do you do in your agreement? Here's what I would say about that. First off, if that's an open question, the level of energy or output your partner has, probably you shouldn't go into a partnership. Pull out the old Derek Sivers, yeah or no. And it's like, if you're spending time doing work with a partner and you're questioning those sorts of things, that's not a good framework for a partnership. What I would say, it's almost via negativa. You want to say what you're not allowed to do as partners. So it's an interesting point to be like, are you allowed to do side projects? I think that that's a big, big thing for founders with shiny object syndrome. That's always been, I think, a powerful part of our partnership, Ian, is that we're not allowed to go out and do side projects. If we want to do a side project, we have to do it in the context of the company. And I think that that means that the company gets our best energy and efforts. And I think that that's a way to solve for this like 50 hours a week or 40 hours a week or 20 hours. It's like all of your hours and the best ones come to the company. That's the agreement. One other thing I want to point out is if you read about 50-50 partnerships on the internet, everyone always says there's something, this weird dichotomy, Ian, where people say things that are the way to do things that I've never seen them done that way. And people always say, make sure someone has 51% so that one person's a tiebreaker. Write me an email if you've done this. I've, <laughs> I literally have seen this hundreds of times on the internet. I've never met somebody who's done it. So I don't know what the disconnect is here. I've met countless partnerships who do 90-10, 80-20, 70-30, and typically that's because one partner is bringing a meaningful asset to the partnership. It could be capital. It could be an existent business. It's often some existent cash-flowing business or asset. They bring to the relationship. They're 70-30. They're the tiebreaker. But when you have two equals coming together, as Ian and I did, when all we had was a couple of packs of smokes 15 years ago... It's 50-50, baby. There's no 51-49 stuff that doesn't make sense. It's basically 50-50 and you have to rely on communication. It comes with downsides. It's not all roses. 
one of the downsides of a 50-50 partnership is it can be really inefficient. It's almost like the U.S. Congress. It's got this checks and balances system. Yeah. I'm always having to come with my big ideas to Ian and get them through Congress, you know? And half the time he says, <laughs> I don't like your stupid, expensive, big idea. Imagine if I was the dictator. Sometimes I fantasize. I put a little <laughs> king cap on my head. I imagine if I was 51%, all of those amazing, expensive ideas would be happening. <laughs> but I, it wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be a better business. I think the older we get, though, the more of those ideas that slip through. I've been pretty cool lately, all right, with your, <laughs> with your spending and whatnot. I haven't said much about it because... Uh, because I think it's important, actually, you know, that like uh, uh, each of the partners has some rope to explore their ideas in the business. Now, we come together on big decisions and we try and make them together. But in general, I think there is a certain level of like autonomy that needs to be had between the partners in a 50-50 relationship. And when you say inefficient, I think what you mean is because you have this pushing and pulling, a lot of times like things can't move as fast as they should. And I think that's true. One of the things about it not being so efficient that I think is important is like the sustainability of it. So when you look at like the time horizon of 15 years of a career and like all the things that we've shipped together, I think that we probably ship more things together than we could have shipped solo. So I think that that's one of the advantages of the partnership during the time period of 15 years, all that shipping. I'll speak for myself, but I, I've had lulls and I've had highs during that time where sometimes I'm shipping a lot, sometimes I'm not really shipping that much. And when you're in a partnership, a lot of times, intuitively or not, like the other partner picks up the slack and they ship more than you're shipping. So I do think over a short period, it's not the most efficient, but I think over the long haul, it has some advantages. Yeah. Partnerships provide a ton of redundancy, right? There's someone else like full-on shower thoughts mode about your business. Something else to consider, Dan, I said this on a podcast the other day, which is like, I've definitely lost some earnings due to like travel and lifestyle and things like that. And that's a choice that we've made in our business. I think the same can probably be true too about a partnership. Obviously, everything that you make is split 50-50 if you have a 50-50 partnership. You know, there's a chance that we could have been a lot richer without each other, buddy. But, you know, me and you, we've been on vacations numerous times, family gatherings, tons of fun. There's a lot of fun mixed in with our business. And part of that is like due to our partnership. That's what we say at the beginning of team meetings. We're richer because we're together. Or, or poorer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, back to the listener though, being truthful about like your main motivations going into this partnership. Because if you're not going in the partnership as like friends and people that want to work together and solve problems together and hang out, and you're just strictly going in for like financial benefit, well then, yeah, maybe you are like counting the hours and whatnot. Maybe you are like financially optimizing every decision to like- Yeah, make start, with, a, start with a JV that's a, a yeah. specific contract. Otherwise, I'll say this, you know, whether you do 51, 49 or- 80, 20, or whatever your split ultimately is based on what you think everybody's bringing to the table, you will have extreme highs and extreme lows, and you have to conversate through them. Every single partnership that I know in person, I don't know 15149, write me an email about that, but I know of really hard conversations that every single one of those partnerships have had. And that's the whole damn point. Just because you're alone and you're 
the dictator of your business doesn't mean there's not some hard conversation that you're just avoiding or not having because no one's there to have it with you, right? And so there's like one of the other things that as you're sitting there with your partner having a difficult conversation, you're struggling to get to your goals, bad things are happening, everyone's disappointed, that's facing reality. That's part of what's powerful about a business partnership. And so just because you're having to have difficult conversations in your partnership doesn't mean that it's not working. And again, I'm pulling in examples from nine-figure businesses, multiple eight-figure businesses right off the top of my head. These are people that I spend time with. They regularly have difficult conversations with their partners. And you can think about that from the beginning. When you bring on a new partner, maybe you just anticipate that. Hey, we're going to have tough times. Let's start talking about some bad situations we might go through. Can you be communicative about it? Are you going to be all weird about it? Or is that someone that you want to go through the hard times with? I think that's a really good litmus test as well. All right. Ian, before we end the segment, you've made it your business to hang around with the most successful companies in our listenership. And so I'll just give a little example and see which one you'd choose. Let's say there's two businesses that are doing half a million dollars a year in revenue. They both have dreams of getting to say, $2 million in revenue within the next few years. Company A is run by a solo founder, and and they have a great team. And company B is run by a 50-50 founders, and they have a great team too. Which business would you bet on? So I'd say in this situation, almost equal odds, but there's a couple things to consider here. And it's not equal odds because of this, which is like the partnership is fragile, especially if you're just starting off together. If you say, look, I've known this person for years and years, we've worked together, like we're coming together, we have complementary skill sets, okay, that's an advantage. I think that there's a better chance that it's going to survive. But if you just met this person, you think that it might work out, you don't really know them, I'd say that that's a disadvantage. And maybe the solo founder has the advantage in that situation because all they have to do is rely on themselves. They don't have to deal with all this political, social mess that the partnership creates. Yeah we're all in on lifestyle businesses. And I think an important part of a lifestyle business versus traditional ones is control. And if you bring in a partner who is erratic, untrustworthy, doesn't drive value, that's like a complete lack of control all of a sudden, right? Like that can definitely create fragility. And then you could find yourself having to retool the whole thing when the partner doesn't show up for you. So yeah, I agree with you. Partnerships kind of create these polarized outcomes in certain cases where it's like the whole thing falls apart or it becomes this beautiful thing where one plus one can equal three. When we were writing this segment, I wrote down a good cop, bad cop. This is like the cop sitcom from the 80s, right? And there was like these two cops and they were from ethnically different backgrounds, you know, but they sat in the car together. And they fought crime. And I, th- I think the, the reason they were successful partners is uh, because they had one goal. They were sitting in the car together with like one yeah. goal, uh, regardless of their differences. And bottom line for me is like, that's where really the rubber meets the road is like making sure that you're aligned on the goal. And I think anytime that like we have become misaligned in our partnership, a lot of times it's just because of the goal isn't clear for both of us. Or like, we're not working towards the same thing. And so it's really important to be aligned, to have good communication, to understand what the goal is, to work towards it together, and to check in often. This stuff is hard work. I think if you're going to take on a partner, it is hard work. It is another component 
to your business and to your relationship that you have to tend to or else it dies and all kinds of bad stuff, right? So if you are going to take on the challenge of a partnership, which we've done and which I think has been a true benefit to our business and to our lives, it's going to take a lot of work. Amen. Hey, if you like the show, just want to remind you, we have a website, tropicalmba.com. You click through on your phone, check us out on the web, hit that subscribe button. I write the newsletter every week. There's a lot going on behind the scenes of the pod. That's the best way to find out about upcoming events, both virtual, in-person, and much more. Check us out at tropicalmba.com and give us some feedback on this brand spanking new website. Because it's time for a spanking. Let's move on from the business partners issue, Ian, to move on to uh, business coaching. Something I just wanted to bring up here because we have been in tons and tons of business coaching sessions over the past two years, including one just a few weeks ago. I'll be honest, I had some not great coaching experiences earlier in my career, soured me to it a bit. And now when we have these clear goals, a bigger team, a bigger mission, I'm all in on bringing people in who can help. And I just like to address, like, I think my salty attitude about business coaching over the years is notable in our listenership. They bring it up to me all the time, remind me of all the horrible things I've said about business coaches. Often I'm reflecting on that predatory industry, coaches who charge an exorbitant fees that are often disaligned with their clients and drive them to pay them ridiculous fees that those clients can't afford. And I've just seen that get perpetrated around us. I just want to disabuse myself of the criticism of business coaching in general, but focus it on these less than savory individuals who are using the predatory tactics. Now, in terms of what we're talking about, I think one of the things that's really interesting about business coaching, especially if you're in a partnership, is there's a reason why public companies have boards of advisors. And the reason is it's really useful in a company to have oversight, to have people that are looking out for and critiquing your direction, your leadership abilities, your strategic plan. And this is essentially the function of a board in a public company. Stewards of the public's cash flow require that the person who's running the company have some sort of oversight. So one of the things I think we've been experimenting with is, well, what kind of oversight do we have? Or is it really just what Dan and Ian wake up in the morning and whatever they want to do? And so not only, of course, you touch base with your team, you're touching base with your customers, but also touching base with advisors, coaches, people who are invested in your outcome in that way. And we've been doing a ton, a ton of that. I just wanted to flag it up because I think it's relevant to the partnership discussion. It's like if you jump into a partnership, it's probably a good idea to get an advisor, some kind of facilitator along for the ride so that some of those hard conversations become hab- habitual and actually not so hard and something that are fruitful and that you look forward to. And I think we've done a really good job of that over the past couple of years of institutionalizing, quote, hard conversations and actually creating them much more fruitful. So Ian, the question is, how can business coaches help your partnership? So I'll just tell a little bit of a story here. A company came to us uh, mid-seven figures two super uh, talented founders and a great product too. And just trying to navigate the waters. Not so dissimilar to us. Yeah, sounds like somebody I know. Exactly. Were they they bearded? (laughs) But their company was set up wrong, in my opinion. 
meaning all the information always flowed through the founders and they had a bunch of people on the team. And so it was like wildly inefficient. And luckily for them, they were making a lot of the right decisions, but the decisions that they were making weren't reverberating through the team in a way that was like meaningful. They weren't getting the full power of everybody that was on their team and their thoughts and their work. And so myself and one of our coaches, Claire, came in and we worked with them to organize their company. Can I interpret what you're saying? And then you tell me if you think... Because we've done this exact same coaching arrangement. You've got two founders, both of whom have their own ways of doing things that's come about over decades of work, right? But now you've got a third thing. You've got a company. And what are the ways that that thing does things? Often it's a little bit of mom, it's a little bit of dad. It's it's a mix, right? Yeah. And at a certain point, the kid needs to grow up and go to college, get the hell out of the house. And the kid needs its own system. And is it going to be mom's system? Is it going to be dad's system? In this case, it's good to go what I like to call the system Socrates person, the person that's going to do the Socrates, ask the right questions, and have the system. Both mom and dad say to Socrates, they say, hey, we trust an ancient Greek philosophy. We select you, Socrates, to implement your fine system. It could be EOS. It could be scaling up. It could be whatever. It could be Ian's thing, DC Black. You name it. It's about getting organized, putting on your backpack, getting the hell out of school and paying off your student loans. I like what you're saying here. As long as it's not the uncle's system, then you are all good. (laughs) The uncle's system does not work. All right. That's right. You need a reputable system that ideally has worked. And I think this is the value of it and why we are talking about this board of advisors, business partnerships is you need somebody with the gravitas. You need somebody like a Socrates that mom and dad both look to and they say, that's a school system we can get behind. I'm not sending you to community college. I'm sending you to the University of Texas. That has a brand I can get behind. I trust their curriculum. It's the same deal with these kind of systems. It's like, hey, not only do both partners need to get on board here, but the whole team needs to get on board. And so it really helps to have somebody with some juice that can help you get that stuff. So that's an enormous value of a business coach. This is the system Socrates type, the type that you trust, that can bring everybody together, that has political power in these situations and can help drive change in an organization. There's a couple other types that you can explore. I got the been there, done that type. This one's really good, even if you're just looking for a quick hit of consulting. In the last few weeks, we've done a been there, done that call. We've done a Socrates systems all day long session. Both are valuable for different reasons. The been there, done that type is always sort of like poking around at your strategic plans. Like, do you really want to do that? Maybe you should stay focused on this, blah, blah, blah. Are you solving the right problems? By the way, a really interesting and super hard question to answer. What problems are you solving and are they the right ones? Just to keep asking it, like every core is daunting and terrifying. And then how do you audit your answers? A been there, done that type can be really, really good. Even if your partner is talented, you get a third person in the room that been there, done that person. That can be really valuable. Also industry consultant, another type of business coach we talk about. Super undervalued, incredibly talented professionals in this world do not get shine 
for what they've accomplished. People don't call them up and ask them about their experience. You can call people in the C-suite at Fortune 100 companies and get their advice. I have a friend who's doing it right now. You can do that because guess what people aren't doing in this world? Reaching out to people in C-suite and Fortune 100 companies and asking for their advice. So there you go. I mean, that's like an inefficiency in the market for some reason. Everybody wants to build these amazing companies, but then doesn't call the people at the companies who are actually doing that. What a great opportunity for listeners to this podcast. And then finally, I've written down the shrink. There's also an opportunity. A lot of business problems are just personal problems projected onto the business. It's one I just see so, so often. Sometimes it can be really helpful to get somebody who is well-schooled in psychology involved in your business partnership if your issues are communication. Communication would be the word that sort of is the umbrella term for these types of problems. If you're having communication issues, it might not be about the systems or the Socrates or the been there, done that or anything. It might just be a matter of figuring out how to communicate better and get in touch with your feelings. There you go. There you go. Nowhere in that type of coaches uh, was charlatan because you would never call yourself a charlatan coach, right? But there are <laughs> those bad, out there. It's bad positioning. It's actually. bad positioning. Yeah. You So typically what you do is try and slot into one of these. Or you would position yourself in front of a jet or That's, a waterfall. Or, or the case of a Lamborghini, which seems to be uh, <laughs> the tell these days. <laughs> so just to close it out, We covered the system Socrates type, the been there, done that type, the industry consultant, and the shrink. The reason we're covering this is that, yeah, a lot of a business partnership is about the genesis of it. Did you make a good decision? Was it not out of immediate need, but out of a long-term sustaining vision? Is there a natural connection between you two? And do you want to pursue the same goals? But there's also an enormous amount of ongoing maintenance. This is a, an enormous thing in your life that's going to require a lot of ongoing maintenance. And a business coach is one of the most efficient ways to do that maintenance. I want to say one thing at the end of the show here, Ian. I've been receiving all kinds of crazy judo in my inbox for people trying to get on the show. And I thought it might be interesting for us to say what we're looking for because you know, this cold outreach thing is getting less effective. And so now I'm seeing a lot of referral-based stuff. And I do think that there's an opportunity for listeners to start PR for our community. Over the years, it's always been like, do accountants, but for location-independent founders. Do, do tax prep, but for loca- do law. You know, there's all these professional services. I think we're ready for PR. I think we're ready for a new way of doing PR. What got my creative juices going, Ian, is I saw these, I mean, we receive multiple, multiple pitches a day, but then you get some that people are actually talking to you that you know, and it gets a little awkward. And I thought, man, these are potentially so valuable to them in dollar terms. I'm surprised that more effort's not put into it. And that's why I thought of the idea of PR. We'll touch on that concept in a future episode, but just a little business idea there. But what we're really looking for is people who are willing to come on the show and share their business model and how others can duplicate it. <laughs> so it's like, come on and like bring a pound of flesh to the show. That's where I'm all about hearing pitches like that. Like 
guests on podcasts like this make a lot of money and that's why we get all kinds of annoying pitches all the time and we're just saying no, 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 no. However, if you can make the audience make more money by a 10x multiple than you're going to make off your appearance, then we want to hear from you. Dan and Ian at tropicalmba.com. Come to the show. Give away the goods. Let us see under the hood. Share with us how you're genuinely making business and maybe some concepts about how others can apply it. I'm looking forward to bringing some interviews like that to the show in Q4. Finally, at the end here, I want to give a shout out to our DCBKK sponsors. These are all highly successful businesses and they are examples of professional services that serve our community. Clear.tax does taxes and bookkeeping for location independent companies. Revision Legal does legal services. Empire Flippers is the number one marketplace for buying and selling online businesses. Our own Remote First Recruiting does recruiting for location independent founders. And Smash Digital does growth marketing via SEO. Big shout out to our sponsors for DCBKK. Yo, if you can afford the sponsorship fee, which is very high, you're making some cheddar and doing professional services for our community is a great, great business idea. So if you have ideas like that, send us emails. We can workshop them on this show. And there's plenty of plenty of business to go around out there. So let's tool up some new ways that we can create interesting services that can help all of our businesses grow. And that's what our sponsors do. And uh, we appreciate them. That's it. Anything else this week, Ian? I know you got a busy day. Busy week, man. We both got to get a bunch of stuff done and then we're going to get an airplane and then I will see you in Bangkok in less than a week. Work, 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 work. Haircut, romantic comedy, Bangkok. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. That's it this week. We'll see you all next Thursday morning. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.